Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Easter Sunday from our outdoor service. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 28. (coughs) Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. If you got your Bibles in your car. Again, sorry for not having the FM transmitter. We had one shipped. It came in yesterday, and um, we discovered in testing it last night that it was, well, we didn't even have to test it. It was broken. It was clearly broken in shipping. And so we, my goodness, everything's dinging. I can't even see the buttons. Okay. So I tried to solder it last night. It was a funny thing trying to fix that, Um, but we weren't able to get it running and so you do have to crack your windows a little bit i'm sorry about that all right matthew chapter 28 1 through 15. i'll say this has to be the most awkward thing i've ever done in my whole life preach to these cars (laughs) all i see is cars and running you know you can't hardly see y'all because the reflection uh doing the live stream really was not uh that difficult that's been pretty fun this is kind of awkward today, but I'm seeing some of your faces and that helps. And I'm getting text messages, so I better put that up there. It's distracting me. Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him, because like dead men, the angel said to the woman, uh, I'm sorry, shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. One second. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples and behold Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and take the word to my take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me now while they're on their way some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, 
We will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took money and did as they had been instructed. And this story is widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. I'll drink to that. Huh? I mean, humor is part of my style, and I can't hear anybody laugh. I mean, that's why it's really hard. You know, it's like you tell a joke and nobody responds. Yeah, I know you're laughing. See, keep laughing right there. I can see you perfectly right here. That's good. Yeah, right here. That's perfect. I'm going to be looking to you. You're going to be my inspiration in this time, in this season. All right? I just want to pull out a few things from this story that just kept resounding to me this week. If Jesus rose from the dead and it did not affect us, it would be a really cool story about a really cool guy that died and rose from the dead. But because it's not just a story about a guy who rose from the dead, but we are connected to him and we are buried with him and we're raised with him to new life. So... When we look at the story of Jesus, the reason why and why it's 10 times more powerful is because it affects our life. We are tied to his story. You can't separate what happened to Jesus without it um, determining and prophesying to and projecting to you what your life should look like. And so we look at Jesus uh, and in this resurrection, Romans 6 says, we've been buried with him into death and will be raised with him into life. Um, Romans 8 says, So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who were asleep. For since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all be made alive. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So, so many times I've heard and said that Jesus took our place, and Jesus died for us. Jesus actually joined us in our death because we were already dead. When, when, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, he said, if you eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, you'll die. And of course, a serpent came and said, surely you won't die, you won't surely die. And um, they ate of the tree and death came in, a curse came in. And so now it says we're all in dead in our transgression and sin. So Jesus actually count, counted equality with God, not something to be clung to, but he humbled himself and became a man and he entered into our death. So we're buried with him in the likeness of his death because he entered into our death. We were dead. We were dead in our transgressions and our sin, and he entered into death with us so that he could raise and take us out of death with him. 
He's buried with us so we can be raised with him. And so we see Christ, we're tied to him. When he came, he tied himself to us. He said, I'm coming where you are to take you where I am. Remember, he told Peter, you're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled because I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. I'm coming to get you to take you out of where you are to where I am. And so we're tied to him. So his death and his resurrection is so significant. The most significant thing in our life and in our world is whether or not we're tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ or not. Because if not, we're still dead. We're all dead in our transgression and sin. Unless we grab a hold of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and go with him in resurrection. We should walk in newness of life. So I was looking at this story of the resurrection. And one thing that I just love is that when the angel came, there was an earthquake, the angel came, the stone rolls away, and anybody notice in, uh, where we at? <coughs> Let's see. Uh, verse 2. And behold, a severe earthquake occurred, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone, and this is my favorite part, and sat on it. Sat on it. So if Jesus came and joined us in our death so that we could join him in his resurrection and bring us out, there's this thing that stands between us and this life that he came to give us. And it's this stone. There's these stones that stand in our way, these things that are sealing us into. And I mean, they fortified this stone because the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were so afraid that Jesus was going to try to deceive the people because he said he was going to raise again. So they were like, oh, he's going to have people come and steal his body away or the disciples are going to do that to try to make what he said true. And so they were so concerned about that. They went to the Roman leaders and said, hey, we want you to put guards around the tomb and I want you to put the seal of Rome on the tomb. So it's like a major crime for somebody to come and remove that stone. And so they come and they seal the tomb. It reminds me of a, um, a magic trick. Anybody ever seen a magic trick and the magician is going to do this trick and he starts out and the trick is going to be hard, but then to make it even bigger, he, he, he keeps adding stakes to it. Honk if you know what I'm talking about. There we go. You know, they're trying to make it more difficult, like, you know, it's already looks like, you know, they're going to take a sword and take it through this box, but then they'll turn the box upside down, right? And so it's like, oh, wow, now the person's going to be cut in half and upside down. That's so much worse, right? That's funny. You know, if you cut in half, it doesn't matter if you're upside down or not. Just whatever. Okay. So, but, you know, they add these things and like, yeah, but, okay, and now we're going to do, even do this, and then I'm going to be blindfolded, right? And then I'm going to do it with my toe. I'm going to pull a bow and arrow with my toe, right? They just keep making it more and more difficult. And I think Jesus just, 
to make a real good show and spectacle of the powers of darkness and disown, disarm them and drag them naked through the streets, just had it, just let the odds be anted up, right? He let things be more and more difficult. Like, I'm not just going to die and then let it be said that he says he rose, but nobody really knows because the disciples took his body back to their house and then a few days later they said he was alive. No, he made sure it was well documented that he was in a tomb. He made sure that it was well documented and sealed. I mean, he let the government of the world testify to the generations to come and forevermore that he was dead. He wanted it to be a proven fact. Put the seal of Rome on it. He's dead. And it's proven that he's, he was dead for three days because the seal was unbroken for three days by the most powerful government and rulers in the world of the time. They confirmed. They put the notary stamp on it. They said he's dead. He wants there to be no denying the fact that he was dead and he was in the grave. And so this is not some flute thing. There's no way he can come out of that grave unless that stone is rolled away and a miraculous thing takes place and he comes to life. And so he, he, he raised the stakes. He kept letting them add things to it. Reminds me of Elijah letting them pour water on the sacrifice before he called down fire. And so the stakes keep adding and adding and adding, and it gets more and more difficult. And with all the difficulty, with all of the courts of Rome putting their seal on it, and with everyone determining that he's dead, and this thing is an impossible feat for anything to move or come out of this grave, the angel of the Lord sat on all that. The angel of the Lord didn't just roll it away, but I think it was such a powerful statement from heaven that he actually sat on it. I take all the powers of the world. I take everything they say about you. I take every lie that they try to lock you up in. I take everything, every indictment that's against you, every legal thing, every sin that you've committed that should forfeit you from being able to live in promise. And I take every one of those things and he just sits on it. All of heaven just sits on those things that are in your way. So you're dead in your trespasses and sin. The, the enemy of your soul came to steal, kill, and destroy and rob you of life and rob you of fulfillment. But Jesus came that you have life and have it more abundantly. And every obstacle, everything that stands between you and the life he came to secure for you is sat on by heaven. It's moved out of the way, and it's sat on by heaven. I think it's cool because heaven actually will use what tried to hinder you from becoming and living the life he gave you, and it will actually use it for its advantage. The angel just used the stone as a chair. Hey, I'm tired, whatever. I just wrote a stone away, right? I just came, you know, God, God, Papa just sent me down here to raise up the Son of God. And I think I'll just use 
all of this stuff that was sent against this and I'll use it for my good and his glory. I just take a rest on the stone. You guys need to be encouraged today that whatever stands between you and the life that you are destined to live, that he came to secure for you. He pulled you out of the grave. You were dead in your transgressions and your sin. But God, in his mercy, sent his son to redeem us out, join us in our death, and grab us and pull us into his life. And we too should walk in newness of life. And everything that stands in the way, not only will be moved, but it'll be used for, God, for your good and for God's glory. The stones that rolled away are not just deterrents, they're tools in the hand of God. He's going to take your past. He's going to take your situation. He's going to take your struggle. He's going to move it out of the way. It will no longer be a hindrance to you, but it'll be a, a something that's in the hand of God to bring about his kingdom and his glory. I like it when they asked, asked the um, angel. Let's see right here. Uh, verse 5, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know what you're look, that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. Verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Some of us, when the world comes by to see if, where we are, if we are where we used to be, they need to be finding us not there. And they need to be finding us not there and being like, oh, which way did he go? See, because when they see us not where we used to be, the Holy Spirit can be in the minute, right in that situation, just like this angel. And the Holy Spirit will speak to them and say, hey, he's not here. The Holy Spirit will speak to her and say, hey, she's not here. She's not here anymore. She is living the life that I promised her. He is living the destiny and the future that I secured for him. He's not here. And people will begin to see that and they'll keep coming to people's lives. They'll keep coming to people who they used to run with. They'll keep coming to people who used to be just as fearful as they were. Then all of a sudden, they'll see you in the midst of a situation that used to would have taken your legs out from under you. And they'll see you full of faith and right-mindedness. And the Holy Spirit will say, see, she's not there anymore. She's somewhere else. It's that salt that we talked about and that light that we talked about, and it will make them so hungry for the things of God. How do I get to be not there? How can I be not where I was and can be somewhere else? But so many times the world is coming, and they need to find us not there, but they're finding us still there. Jesus came met us in our death and in our transgressions. He came for a reason to take us with him out of it. Yet so many times, we're still there. We're still there. Situations arise, struggles arise, and what used to cause us to be a certain way is still causing us to be that way. The fear that used to come in is still coming in. 
The dread that used to come in is still coming in. The thoughts that used to come are still coming in. There should be a change that takes place when he came to get us and take us into a new life. We should be raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection and walk in newness of life. There's got to be some places in our life that we used to be that we're not anymore. If you can't find any places in your life that you used to be but you're not anymore, I would say you're not with him coming out of the grave. You've somehow left him. You've somehow decided to get off of the resurrection train somewhere. You've somehow decided that you like the comfort and the familiarity of your tomb, and you've decided to quit following him out into newness of life, and people are starting to find you where you used to be. Again, instead of saying, Man, like Elmer Fudd, which way did he go? Which way did he go? That's what the world should be saying. My goodness, I'm scratching my head. Which way did they go? Why aren't they here? I'm here, why aren't they here? I don't like where I am and they're not where I am. I gotta find out how they got to be not where I am. That's what the world should be seeing. If we can't trace places in our life that we're not, that we used to be, we need to cling on to this resurrected Christ again, fresh and new. We need to let go of where we were and follow him to where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to, we need to accept his new life and walk in it. I think it's amazing that he goes on to say, come and see the place where he was lying. Come and see the place where he was lying. They takes Mary and Mary and takes them in and shows them the place where Jesus was lying on purpose so that they could be a witness. They could be a witness. And when you're a witness, what you say is a testimony, right? And so our life should be a testimony, a living testimony, a living witness. People should, we should be able to say, hey, come and look where I used to lie. Hey, come and look where I used to be. I'm not afraid to talk about it because it doesn't have any hold on me anymore, but I'm going to let where I used to be be a testimony to you that you don't have to stay where I used to be. See, we had to first, we had to first not be where we used to be. Then we have to allow God to use that to be a testimony to all those around us. We've got to move and then let where we used to be and the reality that we're not there anymore be a powerful testimony to everybody that's still there and still stuck there. He wants to sit on whatever's in your way today. And you need to be where, not be where you used to be and be somewhere brand new. Look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and where by nature and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come we might, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So it's not just the reality of not being somewhere we used to be. See, a lot of people think this whole thing about coming into fellowship with Christ, becoming a new creature, is just about not doing stuff. It's not just about not doing stuff. There'll be an evidence in our life that we don't do the stuff that we used to do. We're not where we used to be. And that may be the initial evidence to the people who we used to do it with. It may be the initial evidence of our, of our conversion that things stop in our life. But if we stop with things stopping, we stop too short. Let me know if you got that. Blow the horn. If we stop... If we stop with just stopping, we've stopped too short, right? That's a powerful thing that the Holy Spirit would come in and arrest us and cause us to not do the things that we used to do. But the whole goal of the gospel is not to make a bunch of people not do stuff. The goal of the gospel is to, just like Ephesians 2 said, the goal of Jesus coming and getting us was not just to take us out of where we used to be and leave us somewhere all by ourselves, just not where we used to be, but the whole point was taking us where he wanted us to be and that's seated with him in heavenly places where he can lavish on us the riches of his kingdom from now to eternity and he'll show forth his glory through our lives because of where we now live. We are supposed to be united with him and seated with him. Stopping what we used to do is just a very elementary stage of this journey. People should come to find us where we used to be, see that we're not there, go looking for us, and here comes the beauty because when they find us, who else do they find? When they find us, who happens to be seating with us? When they find us, we'll be eclipsed by his glory. I mean, we might be good. We might be making some good choices. We might be doing better in our life. We might be trying to follow the rules, but we're nothing compared to him. So as long as we're sitting by him, that's what's going to do the work. So our job is to stay with him. Stay seated by him. Be where he called us to be. Be what he purchased for us to be. Be where he came and got us and took us to. And that's seated with him. Where he can lavish on us the riches of his kingdom from now to eternity. What a grand plan he had. What a grand plan. How do we mess it up so bad? How do we mess it up so bad and we get this plan? This is how we summarize God's plan. He created us because uh, he wanted people to worship him. And then 
we screwed up because we're awful. And then he sent his son to die on a cross to show us how to die so the rest of eternity he can hold it over our head that his son died and he can finally get the worship he wants from us. Somehow that's how we get this thing twisted. Somehow we forget that before he ever made us, he was holy, complete, and lacking nothing and needed no created being to worship him to make him any more of who he was. We don't worship some God that's like us. We don't worship some God that needs affirmation like us. He was holy, complete, lacking nothing, never needed us, but loved. Out of love, we are a creation of love. We are a creation of love. The only reason you exist, if you don't get anything else on this Easter Eve service, the only reason you exist is because God loves. If that's your foundation, it's hard to get it skewed to some other thing about what God wants you to do and how he wants you to strive and how he wants you to live. You're breathing today because God loves. You're a product of love. You are just created because he loves. He fearfully and wonderfully made you just out of an abundance of love. Every detail of your life comes from the love of God. The love of God. Just to see you, to ex experience you, to encounter you, to watch you. Let that change your ideas about who God is and what his expectations of you are. He loves you with an everlasting love. Every facet of your life has been created and formed out of the riches of the love of God. He created you in love, formed you in love, just to have fellowship with you in love. You fail, we fail, we all fail, and he sent his son who is love. Love in the flesh came to continue the pursuit of his love. And so he sent his son to come and to die for us, to redeem us to the place where he could have fellowship with us once again. Out of love. And his son took us to be seated with him so that he could lavish. Let's go back. I came to seek and save that which was lost. In the beginning, my plan was to lavish on you the riches of my kingdom from now to eternity. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to where we started. Let's go put an end. Let's make a show openly of all of this curse and this sin. Let's redeem our people and let's put them back in their rightful place where we can get back to business that we were doing in the garden. You're a people today that all of heaven, if it could be bankrupt, would bankrupt, but it can't. All of heaven has positioned you for this moment. 
all of heaven for all of eternity. Everything that has happened, everything in your life, I'm not saying God caused it all, but right now in this moment, everything in your life is like a stone that was rolled off of a tomb. Everything in this moment has the full potential to be used for your good and for his glory. And he's ready to get back to business of lavishing on you the wealth of the kingdom for eternity. But we have to decide if we're going to stay where we are or we're going to go where he's taking us. I think sometimes we get so set that this kind of conversation today seems too basic. This kind of conversation today, some of us may think, oh, this is an Easter Eve message. He's really just trying to get people, you know, saved, some foundational stuff. Well, I'm 42 years old. I've been raised in church my whole life. And this message to me today is, am I going to stay in the dead places of my life? Or am I going to cling to the resurrected Christ and go where he wants me to go? In every facet, in every area. And that's the message to you. When you get off of the resurrected Christ train, wherever you thought your stop was, I encourage you to get back on today and let him keep making old things new. Let him keep making dead things alive. Let him keep bringing transformation to your life. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years. I pray that in the next week, your wife looks at you, your husband looks at you and says, where did you go? You're not where you used to be. I pray that the Holy Spirit can whisper to your spouse, to your children, and say, honey, he's not here anymore. He's moved on. He's, he's elevated a little higher. He's gone on with the plan that we had from the beginning of time. He's seated with the resurrected Christ. I am going to close. Anybody ever heard of Sam and Vestal Goodman. Three, four, five, six, Sam and Vestal Goodman. Anybody watch Gaither homecoming videos? Sam and Vestal Goodman. Where's Chloe at? Is Chloe out here or she behind me? You remember this? Sam Goodman, Chloe, this video I showed you from Gaither homecoming. I'm old school, y'all. I love a little Gaither homecoming video. I don't know if you got to watch last week's live stream. If you didn't, you need to watch it. If you're a boomer, you definitely need to watch it. You need to see what the Lord released over you boomers and what your church says about you and what the coming generations say about you. I noticed this week, Jahan had several opportunities. She uh, led worship for a church in New York that we love, Hope NYC. And this is cool. Nobody thought of this before all this happened. Look how much more diversified we can be now that this virus has given us some creative new ideas. 
So Jahan via live stream led worship at a church in New York. And then I noticed yesterday in the 12 hours of worship, I was listening to Jahan singing, and I noticed how many older songs she was singing. And last night I said, what happened? And she said, the Lord spoke to me after last Sunday and said, sing for the boomers. And so we've been attempting to sing for the boomers. Vestal Good, uh, Sam Goodman, one of the amazing men on some of the Gaither Homecoming videos, Vestal Goodman, I think they're both gone on to be with the Lord now. But he used to sing a song, and I got the video on social media at some point and watched it, and it wrecked me. Because of Calvary, I don't, we don't live here anymore. His little girl, or little boy, I can't remember all the lyrics. I wish I could. But the song goes, I don't know if it was truly his testimony or just the way the song goes, but this father was abusive maybe. If not abusive, just loud and boisterous. He looked at his little daughter who'd become accustomed to be scared of him, and he said, because of Calvary, we don't live here anymore. Life should change. Life should change. Life should continue to change until we see him face to face. And then we'll be perfect as he is perfect. You know, scripture says we're holy, be holy as he is holy. I love the analogy that it's like a Polaroid picture. It's taken in an instant and we're instantly like him, but it takes time to develop and we're like him. We are holy, we are complete, we are lacking nothing, but we are continuing to become holy, complete, and lacking nothing until our journey's over and we see him face to face and we receive the ultimate prize, the ultimate victory, the ultimate goal to be with him forever and ever. But until then, his mercy is new every day. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies every day. That same spirit that brings back to our remembrance everything that he said and everything that he taught will teach us, will lead us, will guide us, and it will direct us. And every day will get sweeter. And every day will get better. And every day more things will fall off of our life that used to be things that defined who we were. Every day new stones will roll away and he'll sit on them and use them for his glory. I mean, this thing would be amazing if we just, it was heaven or hell. Jesus, yes, I accept you, going to heaven, awesome. That would be enough, right? But that's not what Jesus modeled. 
See, Jesus came and he made it bigger. Jesus came and he brought a deeper revelation of this whole thing. Jesus came and showed he cares about how people feel. Not just about whether they're gonna spend eternity. Jesus came and showed that he wants people to have comfort while they're on earth. Jesus came to show that he wants sickness to be healed and even before our ultimate healing. Didn't he? Jesus came to show that God is not just concerned about where you will spend eternity, but he's concerned about where you'll spend tomorrow, here, how you're going to live, what you're going to receive, what your life is going to be like. He's concerned because you were made out of love. You were created out of love. So he wants you to experience. He gave us his word, this manual that just shows us all the things that are available in his kingdom. He wants to make sure you know about the little fishing pond down in the valley over on the other side of the uh, whatever, I can't think of everything, the big oak tree. He wants you to know about that little fishing pond over there where you can have a great encounter with him and he'll take you fishing one day. See, those are the little nuggets that are in his word. They're little encounters and they're little experiences that he wants to give us, that he wants to share with us. We receive his word like a loving father, just expounding the riches of his household to his son and his daughter to make sure we're aware of all that he's afforded for us. Some people look at it as this book of rules that says, if you're gonna live in my house, you're gonna do it my way. How you receive that, his word, I believe goes back to your initial revelation of who he is. If you believe he made you out of love, then you believe he wants you to experience the fullness of his love every day. Every correction, every leading, every teaching, every trial, every struggle can be a testament of the love of God in your life. Easter Eve, Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Saturday. I challenge you today right there in your car, online. I forgot we were online today. I've been trying to talk to the camera and today I've forgot all about it. Hey everybody online, it's good to have you in your car, in your home, wherever you're at. Maybe you've never even surrendered your heart to the love of the Father and received the gift of His Son that He sent to you to redeem you and restore you and put you back on the path of walking in fellowship with him. Jesus called it being born again so that the life that we now live is not us, but it's him living in us. 
If that's you today and you just would like to surrender to the love of God that was expressed through his son, Jesus, we receive you as our savior. We receive you as our Lord. We receive you as the one born of a virgin, died on a cross and rose again for my salvation. We receive you. And we renounce and we turn from our old life of sin. We turn from the dead works of our transgressions and we say that life is done. I repent for that life. I turn from that life. I no longer want to live that way. I've changed my mind about life today as I've had a revelation of the heart of the Father and I can't live another day separated from Him. So Jesus, save me. (laughs) Lead me. Restore me. Remake me. I want to sit with you in heavenly places and receive all that you have for me from now to the end of time. In Jesus' name. Everybody else, maybe you've received the gift of Jesus. Maybe you know him as your Savior and as your Lord. I think everybody can testify when I get done saying, I think everybody can testify that over time, you might even find some new stones that the enemy will kind of roll over and you'll be doing good. You'll be walking along and the enemy will roll over some new stones and try to trap you in a place in your journey with God. Oh, you're out of that grave? Well, I got another one. I'm going to try to make you fall in over here and roll a little stone over you. Can anybody testify that? Anybody experience that in your life? (laughs) That was underwhelming. Today, every stone every stone. You know, they say, leave no stone unturned. Today I say, leave no stone unrolled. Can we make that our prayer today? Holy Spirit, will you leave no stone unrolled in me? Remember a few weeks ago, if there's a veil, it's not his, it's yours. If there's a stone, it's not his, it's yours. If there's a door closed, it's not his door, it's your door. He stands at the door and knocks. If anybody will open, he'll come in and sup with them. I love the passage. When we open our door to him, we'll find that his door has been flung open wide to us. He rolled his stone away. There is nothing keeping you from the full life that he purchased for you unless you have allowed the adversary of your soul that came to steal, kill, and destroy 
to lock you in somewhere on your journey and you've decided to quit. You've decided to stop and quit moving forward. Today I say, Holy Spirit, leave no stone unrolled. Can you see him right now? Can you just ask him? Can we just have a moment of prayer where we are? Holy Spirit, leave no stone unrolled. Leave no stone unrolled. I just see them in my life. I see stones rolling in my life. I see stones rolling in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for rolling stones today. The power of the resurrection is that we're attached to it. The power of the resurrection is that we're attached to it. Today, we don't just celebrate Jesus' resurrection. We celebrate our resurrection. We celebrate our stone rolling. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and getting us. Thank you, Jesus, for taking us with you. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving us dead in our transgression and in our sin. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you with our life. We thank you by being like you. We know that you redeemed us because you were obedient, obedient even unto death. And we want to live an obedient life, walking with you and following you while we're seated with you. And while we're receiving from you the riches of the kingdom from now to eternity. What a beautiful journey. What a wonderful story. What a perfect destiny for those that you love (laughs) and gave yourself up for. Thank you for allowing me to be your son. Can you tell him thank you for allowing me to be your son, your daughter? We love you today. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.